0: We're, in the, we're, we're doing our movie series, and this is our, not really movie series, but our a movie weekend. And if you've been at New Life for any period of time, right, like th- there's nothing unique about this anymore, right? We have, um, we, I was going back, I'm pretty sure that we have done this nine years in a row. So just to think about that, this is the ninth year of us doing movies. We've kind of changed it along the way, but this is year number nine. And just maybe if you're new or you're like, why do you, why would you do that? And a few reasons why we do sermons on movies or from themes on movies, a few reasons we do that. One of the reasons why we do it is because every once in a while, like every once in a while, it's, it's kind of smart to, to break from the script and do something a little bit different just for the sake of teaching. So it's a different style, like it's different. And our hopes in doing that is that as we do that, it would become just maybe a little bit more memorable. So this is kind of weird, but but my hope is is that in five years, when Dunkirk is on TNT, and you're scrolling through the channels, and you see that movie on TNT, because that's where it's going to be. It's going to be TNT or TBS, because USA is not going to pick it up. (laughs) Maybe they will. I don't know. But, but as you're scrolling, you see it. My hope is that you would see the, 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 the scenes and you'd remember some of the things that we would talk about. And so what it does is it gives our messages the ability to have legs that maybe go beyond um, just the following week or two. And so that's one of the reasons why we do it. And the other reason why we do this, is very simple, but we, it's fun. That there's something about this that is fun. And we exist as a church to help people know Jesus better that that's that's our purpose, that we want people to know Jesus better. And one of the things about Jesus that we want people to know is we want people to know that Jesus is fun, that Jesus smiled, that he's the kind of person that you'd want to hang out with from time to time. And so this is a way that we we can do that. And so here we are this Sunday watching the movie Dunkirk. I'm curious, who's seen the movie? Anybody? So, okay, that's honestly probably more than I thought. Um, It's a good movie. What I like about it is Unlike the last movie that we did, which was Spider-Man, it's based on a true story. So we think Spider-Man might have been, but we're not sure. But this one we know is. And so it's based on a true story. This actually happened. It's a World War II battle. And the thing about it that is so impressive is that as history records what happened at Dunkirk, they record it as the miracle of Dunkirk. And the miracle of Dunkirk, that the only reason it happens is because of the sacrifice that people were willing to make to save lives. And we're going to look at that sacrifice this morning, and we're going to look at it in this kind of this tension that we manage as we live our lives for Jesus. That on the one hand, you've got your flesh that is telling you, do what's easiest, Look out for you. Do what's best for you. You do you. And then you have Jesus' call on your life, which is, I want you to live a life of self-sacrifice just the way that I lived. And we're going to use this story in the miracle of Dunkirk as a way to illustrate the power of a life that is fully committed to Jesus. So our first clip is just going to set up that story a little bit, and then we'll go from there. So they're going to cue it up. And in that moment, as he's aware of this situation where they're asking for his ship, he has two options. Which is to do nothing or to realize that there's something more to live for than the comforts that he experienced. I mean, said so there are some men stranded on the shore. Yeah, there were there were some 400,000 men stranded on the shore really waiting to either be delivered or waiting to die. And their only hope for deliverance was people doing what that man on his boat did. he was willing to sacrifice himself for something more. And and as you think about walking with Jesus, as you think about this idea that is, okay, I I am called, I'm saved, we have to be so careful to not let the comforts of this life drive the way we choose to live. Because in the same way that this captain is saying, I'm going to walk away from my comforts for something more, that we see that that's, that is really the call of anyone who would walk with Jesus. And that's what Peter talks about here in his text here in in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 19. Look, look, Look at this. He says this, he says, for Look at this, verse 21. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. That this verse, this is the call of the Christian. And if we were to take Christ out of this, every single thing that Peter just asks us to do sounds ridiculous. I mean, just think of this sentence here, okay? That it is a gracious thing to endure sorrows while suffering unjustly. It's a good thing to experience hardship that you don't deserve. And then if you go to verse 20, it, even, it like, it's like he continues to walk into this idea that, hey, you, care, you might care too much about your life. In verse 20, he says this is like, what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Okay, he's saying, like in, in this world that we live in that wants credit, that wants approval, that wants to be put up, like people put up on a pe- pedestal, Here's what Peter's saying. He's saying there are good things in your life that God is going to call you to do and the response of the good things that you're going to do is suffering. That, that people aren't always going to pat you on the back and give you a high five. I mean, think of, like, that is that story of this sailor. That he is getting on a boat, risking his life to save men who realistically offer him nothing in return. Like, they're not going to give him $20 bills when they get on his boat. That it is a great cost to himself, but he says, no, because he's living for something more. And then you see verse 20. Okay, and and I think because, like, this is Springfield, Missouri, and we're all kind of familiar with, like, church and church lingo. So the idea of saying, like, hey, you you should let your life follow the example of Jesus. Like, we're like, oh yeah, we're Christians. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live like Jesus did. Have you ever thought about that? Like, that is such a strange thing because if you think about Jesus, okay, and living like him, he was an innocent man who allowed himself to die unjustly for a group of people who did not reciprocate the same affections back to him. That this is our example. That this is what we were called to. That there are things about our lives that will never make sense this side of heaven. Especially in a world that cares so much about comfort that for us we're called to care about more we're called to do good at great cost to ourselves. that we're called to do things that no one else would be willing to do because we have a standard that is different than other people's That there are things in our life that we are going to do that we will receive no benefit from but that doesn't mean that that is not what is expected Of us. And you can see this flesh out in all kinds of things. I think of it relationally. But as you walk with Jesus, here's part of what Jesus calls you to. He calls you to relational difficulty. There are people in your life who are broken, right? There are people in your life who've probably been wounded in such a way that what you have experienced as you spend time with them is that you put in far more than you ever get out. That there are people in your life who, who there's, the more time that you spend with them, the more that you feel like you just need to take a nap. And if your life was only about you, if it was only about your comforts, then the response to those people would be, I'm never going to let you in. I'm never going to get close. This costs me way too much to build this relationship with you. But we're called to do good that people don't always notice. That we're called to look for those who people would push aside and bring them in because we live for something more. And maybe some of you are really, like, that's almost dramatic, and you're like, yeah, I, I get that. But for maybe for some of us, like the relational hardship that we're called to walk into is leaving your garage door open and walking outside when you see your neighbor. Like, I know, man, you guys, are go- you guys are here at 930 because you want to go home and watch football. I get it. But there's something that we've been called to that says, you know what, life is not about my comfort." And if I live my life and all I am is comfortable, how can, I, how can I live that way and say that I'm still following the example of Jesus? Like if all I care about my, is, is my comfort and I'm never willing to make a sacrifice that would cost me anything, then how can you look at a text like this and say you're on the same team as Jesus? Because we should live like him man, he paid a great price. And here's what I would guess. I guess there's probably some of you who are here and that's your life. You've spent it. And there's probably some of you who you've lived your life that way. You've started trying to spend it. But then when you weren't getting the approval that you thought that you would get, you stopped. Because there's something about living a life of self-sacrifice that is tough to watch. And that's what we see in our next clip that you have these men who are getting on a boat to sacrifice their life for strangers. And along the way, they pick someone up, and the person they pick up, though you might think he would be all in on saving lives, he actually has a little different opinion. We'll see it in this clip. You know, but if you think about the sailor, like, if you think about the sailor, it's a picture of the struggle we face as we try to live a life of self-sacrifice. Because living for yourself, on the surface, it always seems rational. It, it always seems to make the most sense, if you really think about it. I mean, everything that he said when he was arguing not to go to Dunkirk made perfect sense. I mean, he, this is a guy who who his plane was just gunned down by the enemy so he knows like the cost of battle that i mean he's right the dude the dude captaining the ship he's old he's going to have challenges like he, he's right there's no weaponry that they have that's going to be able to help them he, he's right like that's not the best ship for what they're trying to do and, and here's the thing as you live your life saying you know what it's not about me, it's about something more. You're going to have those same internal challenges. And what makes them difficult is that they are, they're going to be rational. They're going to make sense in your mind, but just because something might make sense doesn't mean that God isn't pushing you through your comforts trying to do something more. And as we think about our text, as we think about the overarching theme of Scripture, as we try to follow the example of Jesus, that that's exactly what he did. Look at this here in in chapter 2, verse 22. He says this. He, Jesus, committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. And when he suffered he did not threaten threatened, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That for those who can live their lives for self-sacrifice, it's those who have a higher standing and those who have a higher call. Why was this man able to, to go against all of these odds to save the lives of, uh, of soldiers who he never probably would ever know? It's because he lived to a higher standard, because he knew the end result. He was more concerned with that than his his temporary comforts. And as you think about us, how is it that we can live our lives in such a way that goes counterculture? How is it that we can live our lives in such a way that, that stands out? Well, we see a little bit of insight here as we look at the end of this text, this is what Jesus did. That Jesus, he lived his life, and he didn't, he didn't sin, and didn't, didn't return evil for evil, but what did Jesus do? Is he trusted himself to one who judged justly. Why was Jesus able to make the sacrifice that he made and, and live his life on the cross? Why was he able to give up so much? He was able to give up so much because he knew there was a judge in heaven who wasn't going to waste what he did. He, He knew that the day would come where true justice would rule. And if you think about the life of the Christian, there are things that we do, and as we live our lives the way that we do, some of the things that we're doing, we're doing in hopes that someday we'll come in, a, in, a pre, in the presence of a judge who judges justly. That if there is no judge, why live the way we do? I mean, think, think of how foolish some of the things we do are if there's no eternal reward. Like, what is the purpose of praying if there is no judge? Why? Why commit yourself to that type of time? If there is no judge who's going to hear you, no judge who's going to reward your efforts, why waste your time doing that? But if there's no judge, why commit to be here? And you're thinking, well, no, this is how I develop myself. Well, if you're just looking to develop yourself, go to CrossFit. Like, you'll get, you'll get swole. You might think, oh, but I lift my hands during worship. Well, that's not going to get you super buff. Like, if, if seriously, if there's not a judge, if there's not, why commit to do this? That if if there's no judge, if there's no one who's looking at your life, why would you ever commit to financially support this place? Because that's money that could go to yourself. That, that, that if it's only about this life and there's no judge, why would you ever? invest your life in someone who can't give you what you want in return. That our life isn't one that says, what is best for me? That our life is about what is best. And the beauty of what is best in that question is that the answer's already been determined. That what is best is that we would live our lives as Jesus did. That what is best is that we would consider whatever it is that he might be asking us to do, no matter what that might cost us initially. That we would gladly do it because we trust that someday we'll stand in front of him and he'll be pleased. And what this text does, it really forces us to look at our lives. It really does. I mean, because I would say that we're, our call is similar to that of the boat captain. Say, whatever to our comforts, and just do whatever God would ask us to do. So this is what it does. It forces you to look at your life and ask this really tough question. How comfortable am I? Are there things in my life that I'm doing solely because someday I'm going to stand before God and I want him to be pleased with me? Are there things in your life where you would say, yep, I am doing this, it's costing me something, but I know there's going to be a reward later? And if the answer to that question is no, then we've really got to evaluate how we're living because we're called to more. And the reason why God can call us to more is because of the work of the cross, because He came to save us. And what we're going to see in this next clip is we're going to see a picture of the deliverance. But know that this deliverance only came because of sacrifice, and the same is true of our lives. Keep it up. That those men on that ship and the men and all the other ships were willing to make a great risk to their property a great risk to themselves because of that the miracle of dunkirk happened and over 338,000 men were saved because of the sacrifice because of people who would say you know what i don't care so much about my comforts but i care about what what's best and, and that battle it's kind of it's so interesting because it was a, they lost they lost the battle, but because they were able to evacuate those men, ultimately they were able to win World War II. And a lot of historians believe that if the miracle of Dunkirk wouldn't have happened, World War II wouldn't have ended the way that it had. But it did because of, because of people who were willing at great risk to themselves to make a sacrifice. And the, the truth is, as we think about walking with Jesus, this, the call is the same for us. And, and as I close this morning, I would tell you that what those men and any World War II soldier, in terms of a metaphor, it, they aren't that different from us. In this way, they have to keep fighting until either they die or they win. And the temptation that we're all going to have to face as we fight these desires within our soul to say, what are we going to live for? Are we going to live a life of self-sacrifice or are we going to live a life that, just, that cares about itself? That we got what? What are we going to do? Because here's what, I, what you need to know: is the battle doesn't end. Like you might win some battles along the way, but the war isn't over until either you die or Jesus returns. And Peter, he actually doesn't stray away from this imagery. Look at this in First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. He says, "Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh. What do they do? They wage war." against your soul that your whole life there's going to be a battle within you that's going to say do I live a life of self-sacrifice or do I live a life of self-preservation and your flesh is always going to tell you self-preservation but here's the difference between us and those soldiers those soldiers got on those boats to fight again and they had no idea how it was going to end We know how it's going to end. Like we get to pick the winner. We're just still fighting until it happens. And this is how we can know that we won. Let me read this to you. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. The end of this portion. This is, this is how we know that we will win the war because of this, because he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might Die to sin and live to righteousness. That by his wounds, because of his sacrifice, because of what he was willing to give up for you, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You're not fighting in vain. That everything that you give up in this life for him, he sees. And, And the day will come where the sacrifices that are made for him today won't feel like sacrifices. Because in that day, he will win and we will look at him and we'll look at all that we gave and we'll say, It was worth it all. In the same way that I bet if you were to ask that boat, Captain, at the end of World War II, if you could do it again, would you have done it? Because he knew how the war ended. He knew his role in the battle. He would have done it again. And we get a win, too. But the question is, is that your story? Are you someone who could say, you know what, I was straying like sheep. I had no direction. I had no where I was going, but I found Jesus. And if you have found him, then your story ends well. But if you have not, then it won't. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9.30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.